All right, this is Brent Leary, and with me right now is Wilson Raj. Wilson is the Global Director of SAS. Wilson, thank you for joining me today, man. Brent, always a pleasure. Great to be here on the show. It's been a while since we talked, and the last time we talked, uh, it was around uh, kind of around what we're going to be talking about today in terms of privacy and data and how companies are using them and how consumers are con kind of concerned about that. So give us a little bit of a background of the, the recent study you did, and uh, the, the title is Mobility, Vulnerability, and the State of Data Privacy. Uh, maybe tell us a little bit about uh, that survey, who took it, and how many people took it, and, and we'll, we'll dive into some of the findings after that. Absolutely. Uh, so, so this research is really a part of a series. Uh, so uh, this is actually third uh, in, 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 uh, from the last three years. Uh, we started uh, with this topic uh, three years ago uh, when things such as uh, NSA gate, uh, some of the you know, data breaches, very high profile, came into, into the picture, and, and, and the market was really uh, concerned, but yet uh, sort of interested in, in the implications from a, from a business perspective. So we have, we have done, this is the third in, a, in, a, in an annual series. Uh, what we did here for the third one is actually uh, do two things. One is we actually expanded the respondents, I think when we first started, we had about maybe about 25 or 27 worldwide uh, respondents between the age of, of 18 and above. Uh, so we have a good mix of, of uh, consumers across multiple sectors and, and uh, industries. This time we've had about uh, almost about 4,400 respondents from 15 countries uh, all across the globe. And so the breakout uh, globally here is the majority of them, about one-third, 30% from North America, that would be U.S., Canada. Uh, we've got a pretty uh, a big representation, I would say actually 42% from Western Europe. So countries such as uh, uh, Germany, France, Italy, uh, and also in the, in the Nordic region, that, that, that's about another additional 7%. And then we have representation from the Pacific region at about 14%. And this year we also had some interest from South Africa, which made up uh, 7% all the uh, 4,400 respondents I talked about. So all in all, 15 countries, uh, over 4,000 respondents uh, across a wide variety of sectors, and, uh, and that's the scope that we have. So overall, it looks like 62% of everybody that took the survey is pretty concerned about what businesses are doing with their personal data. But I, I find this really fascinating. When you guys break it down and you look at uh, folks who are under 40 versus folks who are over 40. And when you ask the question, how much control do you feel that you have over the personal information that you share with businesses, the under 40 crowd, say 19% of them say we have no control, and about 59% say they have some control. But when you look at the folks who are 40 and over, they say... 35% of them say that they have no control. Now, that's a big difference. 35% of the 40-year-olds, 40, 40 and overs, only 19% of under 40 say that they have no control. Why do you think that is? The, that, that is definitely some of the, the startling um, sort of uh, differences that you see between the under 40 
so 18 to 40 to the 40 and above crowd. And I think it's, it's first actually it's important to kind of go back a little bit as, as part of the scope of this research. Uh, in addition to the global nature, we also focus a lot on the mobility aspect, which is part of the title of this research, in, in looking at other digital uh, touch points or digital uh, interactions that is just beyond a smartphone. So, for example, in, in uh, globally, in the use of the connected devices, you know, of the, out of these 4,400 folks, uh, you know, 98% was definitely, you know, they've used PCs and laptops. 80% uh, of the people surveyed use smartphones. Uh, tablet was around 54%. But then when you get to start getting into smartwatches and wearables, such as, you know, obviously, you know, health monitors, Fitbit, other kind of devices, we were in the 10% range over there globally. Wow. Okay, now, if you look at the... the the, 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 stats, the stats that you just mentioned, you know, uh, feeling no control, 40 and above, we have 35%. Uh, under 40, feeling of no control, that's about 19%. It really comes to the, not just, uh, I believe, the, the age or the demographic. It also comes with the usage of these digital devices. Typically, uh, what we have seen is that the more emergent digital devices, Fitbit, wearables, you know, uh, e-wallets, mobile payments, are typically uh, sort of in the, the, the domain of the under-40s. Uh, and I, I think, you know, being digital natives, right, these, uh, these folks, these young men and women, have sort of grown up in an environment where, firstly, you know, they're sharing a lot, number one, obviously, on Facebook, uh, other social platforms. But they're also more comfortable in uh, using digital for a lot of their daily transactions, whether it's purchases, whether it's uh, you know relating to brands, downloading apps, uh, uploading content, uh, and so when you look at the disparity uh, between the, the 40 and uh, under 40, above 40 and under 40, the level uh, of control that these two groups feel seems to be disparate. You know, however, uh, in terms of uh, complete control. This is the other part of this graph, right, right where we talk about in, in showing uh, sort of complete control. 14% of the under 40 feel that they have complete control of their data, whereas there's only 7% for 40 and above. So it's almost a, you know, double, right? It's a, it's a, it's a 50% difference yeah. there. And again, I think it goes back to the range of digital interactions that the, the under 40 folks are using and the comfort level with that. Yeah, as I look at uh, a little bit more into some of the results in, in doing the under 40 versus 40 and over, when you got into asking uh, folks about uh, the, indicating the marketing message is somewhat or very appealing, uh, roughly the same percentage for under 40 as 40 and over when it came to uh, getting messages from loyalty program updates. Uh, for the companies they build, they do business with, fifty-two percent for under forty, fifty-one percent for forty and over. So they're really in lockstep. But it seems like as you kind of dig in a little bit more, and and maybe you do more of your information gathering from your mobile device uh, when it, when you ask about messages and advertisements relevant to my lifestyle and or interests on social media feeds. The under 40% said, oh, 39% of those folks said, yeah, please send it. Only 23% of the 40 and over crowd say send it. Is, is that something that these digital natives, they're just so used to basically living, <laughs> getting their information from their devices 
that they they'd rather have more and more of these interactions take place versus the forty and over crowd. Yeah, I, you know, there, there's definitely something else that's going. It's not just a level of comfort uh, between these two groups, right? With, as it relates to uh, digital interaction, digital lifestyle, it's also the sense of uh, expectation with the brand. Uh, you know, while there is overall generally a concern with all the data, you know, uh, privacy issues, obviously given you know, uh, 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 you know, brought about by a lot of the headlines that we saw last year, right? Uh, you know, we, have, we saw a lot of pre-headline grabbing breaches. You know, for example, you know, Office of Personal Management in the U.S., where they lost about there was a breach of about 21 million records. Uh, you had Anthem Insurance, uh, you know, health provider that that exposed almost 79 million uh, records. Uh, and so uh, there were a couple of cyber attack, uh, you know, headlines that made the news as well. So given all those headlines we saw in 2015 and even the year before. Uh, it has given a sense of, of uh, you know, caution, but at the same time, both groups expect uh, personalization from the businesses that uh, that they are engaging with, and but the expectation is even higher for folks who are under forty. So uh, the the numbers they read off. So when you looked at the loyalty program numbers, you know, fifty two percent for under forty, fifty one for forty and above. Uh, these are the people who are you know, indicating that. The loyalty program updates as it relates to their personal information is somewhat appealing. So there's really no, you know, sort of difference there. But the difference comes in the sort of, uh, right, in the lifestyle. So taking, uh, for example, promotional emails. Uh, one of the questions we asked was, what is the appeal of promotional emails from companies that are related to my lifestyle or my interests? Under 40, the appeal was 45%. 40 and over was 38%. And another stock one that you mentioned is the messages that relate to, uh, that are relevant to their lifestyle you know, on social media feeds and other digital. Under 40 was 39, uh, 40 and above was 23. That was the, the type of appeal. So I think it's because they are putting out more information, uh, these uh, under 40 folks, they're sharing more. The expectation is that they want value. They want some kind of return on that exchange. Uh, and that is, you know, that, that that exchange could be in terms of more personalized, you know, offers, coupons, you know, something, you know, that would uh, help them, you know, purchase more, but also be treated differently. But I think it's also the, uh, a level of transparency that they're expecting because they themselves are transparent in, in the digital media. Yeah, and I would say that that transparency or that that need or desire for transparency uh, is actually part of kind of an opportunity uh it seems like because if companies can be more transparent in the way that they interact with their with their customers that plays a role in the the building of trust and it also seems to be the opportunity of creating better customer experiences if you're kind of communicating openly and transparently and using the information to create better experiences not just the transactional uh, making it easier for them to track bits, transact business with you, but making it uh, possible for them to have a more enjoyable lifestyle. Uh, that seems like that's key in the big opportunity that folks can should take away from some of the research you have here. Absolutely, and I think you know it's important for uh, businesses, and again, not just uh, small businesses or mid market. You know, it's going to also certainly uh, apply to the enterprises. Is that the value? 
that these, these consumers, right, uh, these customers, both under 40 and above 40, the value that they put on the data, it really actually it, it increases as that the, the, that the, uh, the, the use, the value or the use of that data shifts to benefit the company more than the consumer themselves. So, so in other words, you know, when, when the brands are collecting data, Right. You know, if it's beneficial to the consumer, first and foremost, it is evidenced by, for example, you know, more facilitated, more targeted communications or interactions. Right. That's, that's the benefit of the consumer. Or, and another one would be the, the product or service, the data that's collected you know, helps to improve or refine that, those offerings that these, these uh, brands are providing to their consumers. Now, there's a third element where that data can be used. Uh, to, for example, by the brand to sell to third parties, monetize that data, for example, or share it with their affiliates. Now, of course, all in the name for you know providing better customer experience. Now, once you start getting to that realm, and the consumers know about that, they are putting more value into that data, and therefore they're expecting a lot more out of that. So basically, you know, if if you are able to be more transparent, be open about the way that you're leveraging the information and also use that information to create real value uh, for customers and not necessarily looking at it just from the company's perspective of creating value, but actually using that information to create better experiences that have the customer at the forefront. That's your opportunity in this, in this regard with this information. Absolutely, Brent. I think that, 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 the continuum between benefiting the customer solely and benefiting the brand solely, right? Uh, that middle ground, that's where that, that line is. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, companies should not use that data and, and to be able to use that to be able to maximize on that data. But, but I think the way you do that so that ultimately it comes back to the customer, uh, that's really, uh, I think, the, the key thought here. And I think from a... From, from that transparency perspective, you know, allowing the consumer's mechanism to be able to understand, uh, change, and control, especially that third level, if they're sharing that information, that data to providers or affiliates or partners or, or what have you, uh, if you're more transparent about those kind of usage and give control back to consumers, then you find that the, the consumers are willing to share more. Because you're treating that 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 data, you know, with, with respect and, and doing it uh, in a in a very thoughtful, controlled way.